Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm just happy to be here. I mean, I'm Alex. And over here, sort of the bad boy loner of the group, it's Britain. Now guys, uh, how are we doing? How are you guys doing today? Doing pretty well. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so I had an interesting experience today. Um, guys, hey, hey, stop if you've heard this one before, okay? So, no, uh, so as I mentioned before, I work at a, a library, and we had a big uh, staff sort of training day where everyone in the library system that we're in our region, mm-hmm. we all come together and we have this big day where we talk about, like, library's goals and what we've accomplished. And, like, the president-elect of the American Library Association oh. came and spoke, and he was super charming and really fun. Like, he was really good. We have all these different sessions, and it was a really great day, and it reminds you of like how valuable libraries are in so many different ways, and it was a really lovely day. But at the beginning, they provide us with, with refreshments and breakfast and lunch. And at breakfast, going down the line, they've got little cheese cubes and grapes and some mm-hmm. yogurt mm-hmm. and oatmeal, got some little mini muffins, and they have a beautiful like glass, like ornate punch bowl filled with hard-boiled eggs. Ah. <laughs> and like, okay. okay. And so for the rest of the day, whenever I saw someone, I was like, oh, how's your punch bowl egg? Eating a, eating a punch bowl egg? So that's just been on my mind all day. D- does, it, does it help you read more? <laughs> <laughs> hey, libraries aren't just about books, Alex. Let me, actually, let me tell you what I learned today. So <laughs> begins strumming a, a guitar. Yeah, it's not just about books anymore, man. We've got Wi-Fi and DVDs and Blu-ray and Books. And books. I think he forgot books. <laughs> no, there's, there, go to your library. There's a lot of great stuff. Mm-hmm. Probably probably some eggs. That's probably true. And you guys, you know what else had a lot of stuff in it? The movie we're talking about today. Was all of it good? We'll find these, out. These tangents are, are just getting increasingly sort of frail and... and yeah, you know. well, <laughs> you know, I've, I've, I've had a longer day than I usually have had when I come sure, to record. Sure. Uh, some weeks are better than others. <laughs> But this is going to be a good week because, hey, guys, we haven't been kicked out of collegiate podcast competitions yet. What movie we are we talking have about? have not been entered in any. But, uh, mm-hmm. I have a surprise. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> We're going. We're going to the Alaska Regional <laughs> Podcast Competition. Yep. <laughs> we all have to podcast head-to-head with other shows. <laughs> it's just us and criminal just, like, podcasting. We're just getting, like, louder and louder. <laughs> like, I take <gasps> that. It's perfect, too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's what we're talking about. It's Pitch yep. Perfect too. Um, it's a movie. Alex scores. Yeah, and stuff. give us those deets. probably exists. Okay, give us those Pitch Aka Perfect, scores. Uh, part two of of three allegedly uh, from 2015, directed by Elizabeth Banks. It has a 66 percent critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 64 percent audience score. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds. <laughs> I don't fair. remember this movie. Mm. I mean, I, 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 I think I've said this before. Rotten Tomatoes doesn't really tell you very much, but I think that's. I agree with those numbers. I don't remember very much about this movie at well, all. Would you like to go first, since your best and worst <laughs> yeah. will probably be the briefest? Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, go for it. Yeah, I just want to throw that out there. Tyler and I watched it uh, several days ago. Um, at least two. So, at least two. Oh, that we, sounds we really fun. We want to be vague about these things. <laughs> um, we can't let anyone know when we specifically watch these movies. <laughs> That's how they it's find top you. Secret. That's how they find us. Um, so now we're out here so, watching movies, so if, podcasting, if, if, if I'm, just trying to stay alive. <laughs> just like a, you got a picture of me. 
It's the, the opening narrative to like an, an episode of a TV show where like, the end goal is that we find you, but like yeah, they can never actually resolve that plot line. Yeah, so it's just and they finally do, and I have an eye patch. I was thinking of the end of Terminator too. <laughs> Uh, but no, Alex. Uh, you watched this movie ex- disclosed amount of days ago. So basically, if I'm if I'm I'm misremembering details, or if, if I'm being kind of vague with what I'm talking about, that's probably why. It really was not that long ago. I feel like. Sure. <laughs> uh, well, maybe that's just a testament to how how uh, forgettable I thought the movie was. Because, well, that's what I was thinking. Is I was like, I feel like I remember the movie just fine. And I don't. Anyways. Well, now he's thinking uh, about punch bowl eggs. So. That's true. <laughs> Accurate. Um, if I had a few of those, I would have remembered the movie. That's true. Um, help you read. Help you. It's, it's all about the mental acuity. Yes, sir. It's good stuff. I thought the movie was perfectly serviceable. I thought I thought yeah, it was yeah. very average. Something I, that I, has probably I, never been said about Pitch Perfect too. <laughs> right. Like I, I I don't have a whole lot to say about yeah. it. I mean the first one's better. I think that's kind of obvious to everyone here. I would agree. Um it kind of just feels like we're doing the first movie again, but Yeah. Not, I, I agree. Not, not not enough new to really help it feel fresh. Yes. Yeah. Or I, like we're pushing this forward. Yeah. I would say I agree that the first one's better. I genuinely kind of think this one's funnier um maybe that's just me but like i, I think it goes for i mean they both are comedies i think this one goes for jokes much more yes. than it goes for other stuff yes yeah um so i was having a hard time kind of determining what i wanted my best and worst things to be just because i was having a hard time kind of remembering what happened in the movie um i think i'm gonna go with anna kendrick's arc her, sure. kind of where her character goes in the movie just because i kind of thought that was the most interesting story aspect mm-hmm. in the movie um basically the idea is that she's trying to start this internship at this um uh, record company and keegan michael keys in it and just comparing his performance between this and the other movie that tyler and i have done that includes him uh the predator um <laughs> <laughs> This is so much better <laughs> in terms of what he's able to do. Um, I, I really enjoyed him in this. I thought he was very funny. Um, but just having that whole plot and her trying to start a real life and trying to think ahead while everybody else is kind of just stuck in this fantasy world. Mm. Um, I really like that. And I thought that was a natural next step from the, where the first movie kind of left off. And I really appreciated how kind of the way she's able to solve things in the first movie, which is, hey, I've got this awesome ability to help mix different songs together and I can help completely make make our uh, performance fresh. That's her weakness and that's right. what's holding her back in this one. Yeah. And that's why she can't move forward with the internship and be more successful. So then she has to evolve further and, and start collaborating with people in order to make something new. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's also affecting so I, in the performances, like – the performances are intentionally not as good because it's just cacophonous right. at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and the idea that she's just kind of, she's, she's stuck between two worlds. I really like that. Yeah. Um, born between two peer groups. Yes, exactly. Yeah. In some ways, this felt kind of like what I would have expected from the third movie mm, as opposed sure. to the second movie with everybody kind of leaving and the, the new generation, even though it's just one person. Right. Um, is kind of taking over. Uh, so that was kind of weird. I'm curious where the third movie yeah, goes, same. if it even tries yeah. to do anything interesting yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, but I, I kind of... 
I, that is my best thing. Um, that's kind of the most interesting character stuff that I got in the movie. But I still wish there was just more. Because mm-hmm. um, it feels like everybody else is just kind of put on the sidelines. Right. And not given a whole lot to do. Right. And I thought in the first one at least it was a bit more balanced. Yeah. yeah. And I, I feel like and we talked about how the, the plot in the first one is mostly one of service. But that it was yeah. done – it, it was a fairly – familiar plot but i feel like they actually still tried to do it it didn't feel no. lazy if like i went right. okay but how do we actually tell the story and with some nuance and some depth certainly in terms of the performances and i, th- and I think to a degree in terms of the writing and, and this does not have any of that that depth i would agree yeah um i guess my worst thing is just going to be how formulaic and repetitive i thought this one was mm. in comparison to the first one specifically in terms of starting off with the bellas performing they're they're at, at the heights of their popularity, then one screw-up kind of ruins their reputation, and the whole movie is them trying to fight in various acapella competitions to earn back their reputation. Which is really the exact weird, same which story. Which is weird, because it's like, they randomly get, a, they just get accepted to do the world competition, which I guess works as they'd be the national champions. But then, like, the only other thing they really do to try to prove themselves is that they intentionally go and do, it's like an old folks thing. Yes, which... <laughs> Um, I never really the, got what that was. Which the announcers are <laughs> – I, I pointed this out while Tyler and I were watching it. And I think it's actually – it's it's funny. I, I'm not sure if it's intentional or I, not. I think it is. The fact, I think this the one fact is that the announcers like... are there and they're actually like doing their little podcast <laughs> yeah. there at that competition when they specifically said like, oh, we don't care about the Bellas anymore. We're completely ignoring them and sure. focusing on the Germans in this competition. They're not even at like the Volkswagen event where the Germans are doing right. their thing. But they're at this old folks' home where the Bellas are performing. Yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty good. I don't know. <laughs> I I, I want to give the movie credit I, in thinking I that's that's intentional, think that but is, I'm not sure. It could just be lazy writing. I think that no, is I, I think that is fun. Yeah. yeah, and that they're like because I think they in the third from what I understand of the third one, whatever they however they force all these characters to go back. I think they are just like running behind them with like a camera and like a mic. Like they're just like uh, Bella's. Hey, oh that's funny. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, Elizabeth Banks and John Michael the, Higgins. The, Michael Higgins, they're they're still hysterical. Oh, he's I so think, funny. I think in terms of humor, I think they're the funniest things in the movie. This is I think they happened. were the funniest things in the last yeah. movie. This too, is what so. happens when you send That's girls fair. to college. <laughs> he is, he is so especially serious, especially in this one. They really amp him up, and they really amp up. Elizabeth Banks' reactions to him. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. like, oh yeah. no, that's not like the whole thing. And, that's... and you can see they have to a lot. Of, there's a lot of that is probably improvised. Mm-hmm. Like the whole thing about the Philippines team from the Philippines <laughs> about the Lady Boys, which is all kind of tasteless. But they're, they're <laughs> doing that joke. You can tell the way the cameras just flat on yeah. them, and the way they're talking is so clearly they're just improvising. Yeah. But these are both really gifted improvisers mm-hmm. that know how to listen and know how to how to do this. Like when you see John Michael Higgins kind of look off to the like, I spent some time. In the Philippines, like his pausing is exactly like I don't know, but it works because they're very. It, I, I've seen actor like funny actors. It's, it's almost like the I've ever seen. This is a weird comparison, but I, I feel like it's comparable. The SNL skits mm. where I, I forget who usually would do this, um, but where they would have. I think it was Fred Armisen and maybe like oh, Kristen, uh, Kristen Wiig, Wig, yeah, yeah, doing where the, they would the they would try to sing hat. like yeah. live, like make up a song where they would like are supposed to be singing a duet right, 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 or like in tandem. Uh, it's a very similar thing where it's like, yeah, you can tell that they're like yeah. completely just playing off each other and trying to keep a straight face, and like that's it's and, great. And I've seen actors in movies where they're clearly called on to just ad lib, and they 
don't mm-hmm. really know. And I don't blame them because it's like they should have given you some material or shouldn't have stranded you. And, and usually that's what ends up happening. There was like, eh, it was kind of funny, I guess. Yeah. But these two are both naturally funny, but they're also like died in the wall. They're veterans of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if they were did like UCB or whatever. I don't know exactly their career tracks. I know Banks was in uh, What Out American Summer. But like, I mean, these are two people who know how to improvise and know how to fill that 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 time, and so and obviously they have chemistry with each other. So they are naturally funny, know how to do it, and are mutually funny. So yeah, they're they're a lot of fun. That felt like one of the elements that I thought worked in terms of being a a typical sequel, where it's like, what's the things that we that we think really worked in mm-hmm. the first one? Yeah. Oh, the announcers. Let's amp them up. Uh, yeah. And I think mm-hmm. that is effective. <laughs> And in other different uh, ways, uh, some things aren't. I agree. I think that they amped them up the right amount. Yes. We got yeah. the right amount more of them without going, oh, I'm so sick. I get. I, I thought they were funny, they but don't, now you... They don't just take over the story. No. Yes. It was very much like, oh, let's, we'll have, they'll have some more lines. We'll work them into the story more because they're very funny, but we're not going to, they will, they are still side characters. Right. I agree. Um... Yeah, uh, there's there's other things like of course we have to have the the um, kind of the the huge battle between all the different acapella groups, mm-hmm. which once again good way of amping it up. They just go crazy, oh, we'll and that's mm-hmm. we'll like there. Tyler's favorite scene. Um, oh, we'll get there. <laughs> but at the same time, it feels like okay, this this kill this feels kind of obligatory. Like oh, we have to have this scene in the movie because yeah. it worked well in the first one. And I felt I felt that. That was that was the general sense I was getting throughout the movie. Sure. Which, considering the first one, my problem was just kind of how superficial and formulaic a lot of the story was. Um, it wasn't helping that they basically just did it again. Sure. Uh, well, that can <laughs> if leap, that makes any sense. Yeah, no, that can leap, if, if it's okay, that can leapfrog into my 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 my. Sure. So my worst thing about this movie is that. So so we talked last, and I'm glad that we talked about this last week about the differences between. Uh, planned franchises and franchises that are born out of the first movie being a success and they go, Mm. oh, let's make a sequel and how there are good and bad examples of both. I don't know that this is the worst example of an unplanned sequel, but I think it is a really... That would be Predator 2, right, Tyler? (laughs) Correct. Probably. I don't know. No, there's worse. I don't know. Well, I don't think this is worse, but I think this movie is a really good example of the problems I have with movies that have unplanned sequels. Right. No, no, no. I, I agree with that. Because I, I think ultimately this is one of those examples of like, Pitch Perfect didn't need to be a franchise, did it? Exactly. <laughs> and this movie, for me, I, I, I had a realization uh, the other day that Alex and I Freaky Friday'd and switched... Because normally... It's been known to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're freaking frightening with people all the time. At this point, we don't know this if you're really be, you. I think the fourth time? Maybe. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, there's that, that week where Alex is... Phantom of the Opera, I, I secretly love that movie. I don't um, love it. <laughs> well, let's see. You, you gave it a B-, minus. I'll call yeah, that love. I'm um, for the memories. <laughs> there was a time I was like, I'm in Alex's body. I'm going to watch a bunch of Chinese movies just so his body had to see them. I'm gonna go watch Mojin or whatever, and then and then, and then and then we switch back, and I go, wait, why do I feel so educated? <laughs> I got to watch my wife as a gangster three. 
I feel like I've traveled the world. Wow. I uh, to go watch some James Bond to get it out of my system. <laughs> and then I get back in my body and I'm like, man, I ate a lot of chicken tenders. <laughs> I feel like I'm good like on Zaxby's. <laughs> Um, but 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 what I mean is, normally when we talk about like superhero movies and, fran- and action franchises, Alex is very granular in finding out this plot consistency and this element. And I'm like, I don't know, a robot wrapped the other robot in chains and pulled on the chains and the mm-hmm. robot exploded. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And now we've kind of flipped where I'm like, no, see the camera here and the, this musical number and this character arc. And Alex is like, eh, th- it was funny. I'm good. So now I've learned that, hey, being Alex is not all it's cracked up to be. You know, We've walked a mile in each other's shoes. But um, more in the mile, I'd say. But I think that because at least a podcast, (laughs) I think because of of (laughs) of that, like this movie bothered me more than would an unnecessary sequel to a a franchise that I'm not necessarily invested in as as invested in. Right. That said, like it didn't offend me. But overall, this movie to me is is fairly shallow, and I feel like there there are moments in this movie that that make me tear up. But those are moments. In the first one, though, when when it happened, it was the resolution of a theme. Well, I talked about how the finale had all of these character moments within it, how they wove all of these different songs and moments throughout the movie into this finale. And in this movie, I felt like, oh, that individual thing was moving because this movie knows how to like manipulate my emotions, right? As opposed, and if to, you want me to oh, point out continuity stuff, I can say what. <laughs> I can point out continuity. Oh, no, absolutely. Oh, and I don't mean that you, we have completely that, that no, no, we no, never care. You. But you I know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I, I think too, with, with this movie, so I guess my, my real complaint is that it just feels so hollow overall. Um, and I think it's best. It, this movie feels like a Hollywood product, and I don't have anything yes. against the idea of a Hollywood product. That is totally fine. All movies are secretly products. They are. You know, sure. They really are. Movies or are openly. A lot of movies are made to either make money or win awards, which those are of equal value when you really get right down to it. And whatever, you know, it's movies. Uh, your experience is a thing that makes it art and makes it enriched. And sometimes it is art, right. you know what I'm saying. But but I don't mind Hollywood products. What I mind is having watched a movie that is like a re- quote-unquote real movie that had all this emotion, had this very rich experience, and that will continue to be rich when I watch it. And then to see the next chapter of that just be fluff. Here's jokes. Here's a bunch of broad jokes. Here's a bunch of stuff that you liked, and we're doing it again. Not quite as great. Not terribly, because Kay Cannon is still a good comedy writer. And Elizabeth Banks directed it fine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not... The first one's not Which, really stylish, but it's, you know... Sure. I didn't watch this going like, oh, she shouldn't direct a movie. I was like, no, you did a good job, yeah. you know. Quick, it, quick. I do want to take a moment to say, hey, good on you for actually choosing a female director yes yes for a movie with a female ensemble agreed uh agreed. unlike twilight continue <laughs> no I, I agree and it's a shame that uh, oh, i God. imagine by the end of this our favorite of the three is going to be the one directed by a guy but that doesn't sure me, but I, that that is not a statement on but, uh, female directors r- making well, movies then, and that's my point is that yeah. twilight uh i think we decided pretty much far and away that the best one was the first one um, which I like think it. is what most people would agree with. That sounds I don't like remember it, yeah. exactly what our grades were for that. Um, but Breaking Dawn Part 1, I believe, right. is our favorite. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah. still, first one... Twilight was a close second. We, we spent a lot of time on that ta- in that series talking about the fact that the first one has like real style to it. Right, so right. I cannot... C- Catherine Catherine Hardwick. Hardwick, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, 
and that, she directed that one. Yeah. Then they were. That was when they were like, "Oh, we're going to turn out one of these every year." Yeah. And so then she was like, "I'm not going to do it." Right. Um, right. Right. And they went with the sort of studio director of the week that they yes. pulled out of the vending machine and yeah. plugged them into a director role. And it was, yeah, it, it, they didn't cast another female director for that franchise. Right. So and, and this it's one, nice yeah. that, you know, kind of separate from anything we're talking about the movie, that is something I appreciate. I, I appreciate agree. that they were like, hey, we're not getting the same guy back. Let's do something that makes sense for the yeah. franchise. Get you know, the, yeah, it's, it's and also someone who makes is sense to... a producer on the first movie yes. is in the movie, yeah. has an idea of what this is, yeah. and the third movie is also directed by a woman, so that's mm-hmm. it's, a, it's mm-hmm. a good trend. Um, so I, I think one of my best examples of how Hollywoodized this movie feels is that these women, every scene, they are dressed like extremely wealthy people, and their hair is perfectly sure. curled to a lot of makeup. And when I first saw it, I was like, oh, so they're all super rich now, and I went, well. If they've spent three years as acapella superstars, <laughs> they probably got money from sponsorships. Okay, like I can figure sure. that out. They have like a. Did, did they have the house in the first one? They did not. But my guess is again, this is like, it's it's the accolades of fame, you know. Right. But the, the it, there's a scene when Anna Kendrick is have, late. She's in her like PJs, having worked all night long, and she's got false eyelashes and rouge. She's still all made up and her hair's all perfectly curled. And I'm like, dude, if I'm to believe the things that my female Facebook friends tag each other in, women do not do that. And it's Britain, just like I, – I, 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 want, I want to respect that and be like, wow, that's actually that's, – that's cool that you caught all that stuff. But at the same time, part of my brain just wants to be like, I don't think you realize what movie you're watching if that's what you're complaining about. <laughs> And this is coming from me. <laughs> well, so, yeah. But I think that's the thing is, in the free previous movie, though, they all dress like people. True. Mm-hmm. And here they're always dressed like they are in a Hollywood movie. Which I know this right. is a Hollywood movie, and that's just emblematic of that of that thing. It doesn't really change the story. It doesn't mean the performances aren't good. But also, like, Becca is not an alt kid. Now she's an Anna Kendrick character. Mm-hmm. Which I love. That's the, true. Like, this is Anna Kendrick doing the Anna Kendrick thing, like a Hugh Grant or a George Clooney. That said... I love the Anna Kendrick thing. She's super funny in this, but she's not playing as much of a character as she was in the first sure. one. Becca's a person, and this is Anna Kendrick. Sure. I do want to say... That's the weird thing. I also I don't even know if she still has her shoulder tattoo. You know? I, can't, I, I, I don't know if they had any shots of her shoulder. No idea. But anyway. Um, yeah, but, but I was going to say, I, I do think we didn't maybe talk about this enough, if at all, in the first episode, and I did want to mention it before we... Because I think we will have some concerns to bring up, but... Uh, while we're getting in the good stuff, um, I did want to mention that I'm kind of impressed by the fact that the movie never really takes the route of, oh, she's like a, a superstar who wants to do her own thing. They never, right, in right. both of these movies, <clears throat> from the very beginning, it's, oh, she likes to do remixes. She likes to produce yeah. music. And that's what she wants to do. And that doesn't change in this one. She continues right. to just want to produce music. And that's that's what she, yeah. that's her passion. That's what she wants to go, she wants to go do. It's not like... I feel like it would be it would be very easy to take this one and be like, oh, the divide is because she's a diva or yeah, whatever, and she yeah. wants she she's going off, she's getting a big uh, a big contract with the country star, and the, you know, <laughs> yeah. she they're they're trying to get her to move to Nashville and make yeah, yeah, make yeah. country music, and and so she's uh, kind of like what they do with um the the joke they have about a bumper in the first one, where it's right? Like, oh right, yeah, right. I'm I'm going off to whatever it is, be be John Mayer's assistant, or yeah. whatever, <laughs> yeah. Um, where it's like, I feel like it would have been very easy to do that and make that the the crux of the mm-hmm. the 
conflict. Yes. Whereas instead, they use it as like, oh, she she just wants kind of different things. Yeah. And it's not that she's like in it for the glory or whatever. She she just yeah she, she enjoys doing it and, it and realizes that oh hey she can actually use these yeah and what together. what is my next job like we're about to graduate college yeah. like we're still in college even though we've never gone to classes what we got we have a like what's my job going to be yeah. I, I completely agree and so for all of its hollowness there are things in it that work for me mostly individual like moments or scenes or characters not necessarily large elements but so my best thing. One is going to be uh, Keegan-Michael Key, Alex, mm-hmm, you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I really like this performance because Keegan-Michael Key is one of these guys who obviously is very, very funny. And he gets drafted into being in a lot of movies and TV shows, come in, be yep. big and wacky, and then leave. Because he's good at that. Hey, Keegan, yeah, that was a good take. Can you just yell more? Yeah. How about you just scream straight into the camera? Pretty much. But here he gets to come in. He's very funny. Was it Reggie? Becca? Okay. And like the shot, there's the, the scene where he's talking to Emily, Elizabeth, Emily, is it, and then you can hear Haley Steinfeld like break and start laughing and he just keeps going. Right. Like he's, he's very funny, but it's also like a good performance. He's playing a person. He's playing a character. I liked all of his points to Becca about like, look, it's not that you're clearly talented, but like, I need more than this. You got to give me something well, it's, else. It's, yeah. It's weird because once again, Tyler, kind of like in the small ways that this movie doesn't just go with the generic Hollywood route. Mm. I feel it would have been very easy to just make him the jerk boss. That's just super incompetent. Yeah. Sure. And so she ends up impressing him at the end just because of his gross incompetence. Right. Um, and that's not really it. He actually like teaches her yeah. valuable he, lessons. He's yeah. genuine in a way that's not like sappy, like, Oh, we we're gonna have him like be super hard on her, and then he turns around and he's like, "Actually, I was just pushing you because right. you're so talented, and I love you." And you yeah, know, but that he's come like, in for a hug or whatever. Like right. it's, no, it's he like, is, like he gives good advice. He actually is like impressed by her music. And, yeah, like and he his performance shows all of this. It's 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 yeah. a like every time he's on screen, no, it's, he it's just a, is captivating. He's really good, and he and Kendrick are great together. Yeah. Like I I really enjoyed his performance and the Snoop Dogg scene. Yes. is probably it my is good. Personal favorite. <laughs> that's of all a, that, that, it, it is a very funny scene, but that's also like this movie goes cameos, cameos, cameos. Yes. Some of those are great. Uh, so my my other best thing is my favorite joke in the movie, which is when Becca gets in the trap and she's in the net and she's mm. hanging from the tree of the net and she's like, I love you, awesome nerds, I'm sorry I didn't. And all these confessions, she goes, Jessica and Ashley, I never knew which of you was which. And Jessica and Ashley, right. the, the two uh, women who like, never say anything, go, I'm Jessica. And they look at each other. <laughs> it's a great joke. I love the acknowledgement of that and I love the payoff. Mm-hmm. It's a great. Thing. I appreciated that because the whole time I was, I was even asking Tyler a couple of times. I was like, "How, how many of the girls from this group were in the first yeah. movie? I can't yeah. tell you outside of the ones that they keep pointing to for jokes. Yes, yeah. all, all of them except for um, Flo, Chrissy Fitz's character, because I think she's supposed to be the woman they brought in after Aubrey left. Okay, uh, the Latina character. Oh right, right, yeah. She's she's new. Wait, 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 Britain. Are you are you telling me she's she's Latina? Yeah, because that's strange. Because the movie never forgot to mention that. Because it's not like the it's not like ninety percent of her jokes are about coming from a terrible place and having horrible immigration experiences. Like, and also that's not her natural accent. Oh, Britain, uh, so cool. you're underestimating we're, it. I think it was 105 percent of her jokes. I'm, I'm very surprised that neither of you. I have a different worst thing, but I'm very surprised neither of you took that for your, your worst I thing. Because I would also consider it for yeah. Mine. It's it's honestly like offensive. Yes, <laughs> that Dude. they bring in this woman and go, okay, just be like, 
I didn't mean to be so for a cheeky 19. Well, well it's like, like... it's so, like, dude. Because they, they take, like, Fat Amy in the first one, they make jokes about the fact that she's overweight, but in a way that, like... When she makes those jokes. Yes, first of all, she Her makes Her first them. line saying that she's called Fat Amy, she calls herself that so that nobody else can yes. call her that behind yes. her back. That immediately sets the tone yes. in a way that this does not. And, yeah. and, I mean, we talked about, like, her relationship with Bumper and everything, and, like, the yeah, fact that they... Yeah. they immediately take that as like this is part of her character it, but it does not necessarily define her it's yeah. just like we make jokes about that but also she is very like comfortable with that so yeah. you as an audience should not and also she's willing to throw throw it back at yes. people like most most of the jokes are coming from her just like having witty retorts yes, yeah. yes. And, and being proud of herself and stuff and so like the audience is like no, she's like like you should feel okay laughing and feel comfortable laughing about yeah. this because like we're we're presenting her as a character who's very self assured and like it, oh know, and has like and, all these and, boyfriends and like yeah, has yeah, a life yeah, 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 yeah and, is fine and, and is is proud of who she is yeah and so it's like they do that with, they do that thing where like that sort of becomes what they make all the jokes about right in with with her and with like uh, Stacy in the first one all the sexuality all the jokes, jokes and everything yeah, yeah, yeah. but like. Which I felt like got even worse than this one. There was one that I thought was kind of. I didn't really notice. They don't do that. that Well, she says, "I'll do whoever it takes to get us back," and you go, "Or whatever." She goes, "Yeah, that too." I think I completely missed that. They do a joke where they go to the car show and they're walking through, like, and they turn and she's just suddenly like, like writhing all over a car. They're like, "Stacy, sorry," and though she just like naturally got pulled to it. That's kind of funny. Well, also, I had had a problem with the. the, I I can't remember their names. Um, the, the African American character uh, that is Cynthia Rose. Yeah. Cynthia Rose. There, okay. there's some gay panic jokes with her because mm-hmm. it's not just was it was it that like I know I know they kept making jokes about her being a lesbian in the first one, but was it it wasn't every single joke was no, it? No, and it wasn't jokes about her being like almost predatorial. Like sure. in this in this movie, it was a lot of like I mean they did a few of that in the first one, but it was a lot of like when they're all sleeping in the tent, she's like. I hope the sun never comes yeah. up. And then there's a bit where I think it's Stacy is like, "Are you touching me? Or like touching my my body or yeah. something?" And she uses some joke for her privates, I guess. And Cynthia Rose is like, "Yes." And it's like that's but yeah. so because she's See, gay, she wants to like have sex with every woman that she runs into. And like, again, yeah, like my, I don't want to. I don't know. My problem isn't so much the humor itself because like. Especially talking about the first movie, like that had like offensive humor all over mm. the place. Like I don't, I don't really care about that. Yeah. I just they stop becoming characters to me, yeah, sure. and they're just caricatures. And I stop laughing because I I got the joke the first five times you you did right. it, yeah. and then you just keep doing it. I, so my problem isn't so much like like I, I'm not I don't consider myself to be a prude when it comes to comedy or anything like that. It's more just like I, I find it kind of lazy. Yeah, well, and I wouldn't mind if the jokes were circled centered around her lesbianism it's more that the way they frame it as that like, like i feel like she has, every, a, good, she has a good joke scene. where they say like something about minorities and she goes i'm black gay and a woman yeah like that's a that's good that's yeah. a good joke right because it's not like and i don't think the movie is being is is a hateful movie i think yeah. they just were a little tone deaf with the jokes where they're like and, yeah t- t- oh that's fine deaf. But yeah, with, with her, it was like there's just a lot of jokes about yeah how you're yeah. gay and just want to sleep with everybody. But if it was one specific person, that'd be a little different, right? And then the jokes, like all of Flo's jokes, most of Flo's jokes are about like yes. 
I came from this terrible like, place. Every, everyone else is sort of on this level. It's like, eh, sometimes, like, it ranges from, like, oh, that works really well that you set yeah. up the character that way, to, ah, eh, you're getting a little obnoxious by repeating these jokes, and some yeah. of them, as you're saying, are kind of problematic. Hers are literally every single time she opens her mouth. Yeah. Is some... she's, and she seems, or she's, I believe she's doing a fake accent, which yeah. isn't great. It, it sounds like it. I mean, it, it kind of feels like they're yeah. at least having her play that up. And, like, yeah, it's, it's every single joke is something about being an oppressed illegal immigrant. Right. And it's like, this is this is offensive, and no, not in a way, and not gen- in a, genuinely like I am I am uncomfortable, and not in a way that's like that firing so firing back at a problematic system. No, but is like no, I'm just gonna make fun. It's just weird, and, and yeah, I will say like, like her I had comedic, a horrible upbringing. Yeah, Isn't that funny. My brother tried to trade me for a chicken yes. or whatever, and her comedic timing is funny, so she delivers those jokes mm-hmm. very well. But the joke themselves is like I don't I don't know. Also, I want to issue a uh, Here Comes the Retraction. I guess we'll call it There Went the Sequel. Um, <laughs> last episode, I referenced uh, Lily, uh, the the Asian uh, character, as Libby Mae Brown, which is not anywhere close. That is the name of Parker Posey's character in Waiting for Guffman. <laughs> I understood some of those words. Parker Posey, the brunette Elizabeth Banks, uh, which is a compliment to both of them. So I apologize. That's incorrect. Her name is Lily, but the actress's name is, I believe, Hannah May Lee. So that's that's, that's where I got the May from. Looking at the Rotten Tomatoes cast list, yes, that yeah, is correct. Hannah May Lee. Okay, now, she plays Lily. I do want to. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. her, she's still hysterical. With yes. her jokes. Now, I have another note about why I don't find her as funny. But that, they don't do Asian jokes with her. They no. do. She's crazy. Yes. In the first right. movie, I felt like I've heard a lot of those. Like I set fires to feel joy. I'm like, I was a theater kid in high school. I've heard those jokes. Mm-hmm. I know. But I really love the thing about, like, what happened last year? And do you guys want to see a dead body? Like, that's <laughs> that's a very funny mm-hmm. jump. And this one had some okay stuff, but her she was another point where I was like, okay, they took this to sequel hyperbole, yes. but in a way that I still felt was, like, a, a sensible jump. Yes, was a, it, for, for what they're trying to do with making the movie a little bit more crazy, yeah. they took it to a good place. That works. Um, it's, like, I love the, the bit where she's... Early on, there's having like the pool party, and she's the mm-hmm. only one in the pool, and she just like dips under the water. Yeah, there, she's there's like, a few really good bits like that I, where they just really go crazy with her that I think are quite funny. Because I think uh, the worst version of this would be is is if you she turned and had like her eyes suddenly glowed red. If they were like, oh, does she have supernatural power? Sure. Some crazy, you know, I don't know. You she saying? just goes walking away into the forest, and then you see like a really bright light. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> though. And then I, a phoenix flies through the sky. I remember uh, above the, oh Professor God. X and Magneto player chess. I, I remember uh, the, the animated film Horton Hears a Who, uh, where there was a one of the woodland characters was this like really weird fluffy yellow thing that was similarly just like the joke was she's weird. But by the end of the movie, it was just creepy and it wasn't like hmm. embraceably funny anymore. And I'm, and this movie hasn't gotten there with her yet. It teeters a bit, but it's not totally there for me. I see. Yeah, it's weird stuff. That's fair. <laughs> um, I, I think what works so much about her and why even like making her even weirder didn't really bother me. It, it's one of those things. It, it's kind of like Stewie on Family Guy, where they can't decide if they want everybody to realize like she, sure. that she's talking or not. Right. So I found that kind of interesting. Of like half the time, nobody's reacting to what yeah. she's saying, yeah. and yeah. I think that's kind of funny. Yeah. I think that's half the joke right there. Sure, I agree. So I should probably do my best and worst. Thing. Yeah, so no, I was about to say. <laughs> um, I'm going to start with my worst thing. Okay. Uh, I think ultimately it's it's a problem I have a, with a lot of movies um, where you do you, you build in some sort of time jump. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's the the Captain America sitting down for the detention uh, <laughs> clip with it where he's sitting down on the chair backwards. It's like, yeah, yeah. So you so you put a time jump in your movie, and you're also <laughs> not in game. Um, yeah, they they jump, and I just realized that the joke, quote unquote, or like the the idea here at least might be because that there's a three year time jump because there's three years between the first and the second movie. Um, I just it just clicked for me that it might be like oh it's it's because like the, you know yeah. the high school movies and Glee and stuff it's it's you know they never really age and so it's right, like okay right. it's kind of a fun thing it's not worth kind of skewing the whole direction of the movie yeah <laughs> um, I guess because but... I think that's a lot of problems stem for that because we were talking about like all these characters who don't really get a lot of time to shine and they kind yeah. of just turn into one note jokes um, it feels like that happens because we're really cramming the movie full of characters and are also trying to mm. give good um, <clears throat> sort of catharsis and wrapping up to other characters or, like, sure, at least sure. developing them more better. So, like, we, we've got the characters we're trying to build out from the first movie, and we even bring back the one character who we had an excuse to leave out, who is um, right, uh, Aubrey. Aubrey. Yeah, we, we had a chance to be like, okay, we've just got these characters and we're just working on these characters. Yeah. But we actually... And she it's it, she's really fun when they bring yeah, it back. Yeah, like it's, it's good. But I know what you mean. They could have just excised... Yes. Or, or had to be some other celebrity cameo sure, or whatever. Sure, yeah. and then not had to like... See, that's the Focus as much storytelling being like, oh yeah, I mean, it's not like a... She's not in it for a ton, but like they could have taken some of that screen time. You do get the payoff else. of her joining in the final number though. Yeah, sure. that's that's the thing that I, I kind of latched on to, especially because the, of the arc with Anna Kendrick and, and wanting them to explore more of the, the Bellas having to move on and find sure. actual but, jobs outside of this. Yeah, but that's... I like, I like using her to be like, no, 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 somebody was able to utilize their skills yeah. from, that they got from this and then move on to something else. Sure. But that's my point, is that, that again, kind of like you, what you were talking about with Anna Kendrick's arc, it feels like what you do in the third movie. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. It feels like okay. You have Aubrey Lee having all of the previous Bellas return for the big final number. Yes, that that's something you that's do for something a third you do movie for the finale to cap of the off the trilogy yeah. and having them win the world finals. And I I get that. Like maybe you know it's it, it's uh, Tyler. It's the Mighty Ducks two scenario. Okay, sure. it, we got to have them go to the basically the Junior Olympics and they beat the big bad Iceland team. In this case, Germany. There are weird parallels between these two movies. And then the, the third movie, they just go to a boarding school and fight for the varsity spot <laughs> on the team. Does this make any sense to anyone other than me? Yes. Uh, <laughs> and I get that they, they didn't know for sure if they were going to get Pitch Perfect 3 or whatever. Sure, sure, sure. But I still think that this was, like, a very big, like, jump forward to take. Right. Because you, you're basically... So we've got all those characters that we're still working on. We're also introducing Haley Steinfeld. We're also introducing Flo, and, and she gets no... Yeah. like actual character because she, she is that. she is she gets a notch above the slipknot intro sure where sure. someone off screen <laughs> while she's on camera in a in a very frenetic musical number i'll get there while while she's on camera go there's Flo, whoever the britain has to look up on imdb to know her name is Flo. uh the brand new character it's something something yeah. something yeah. here's a latino joke and then they keep doing the song yeah it's basically slipknot sure um, <laughs> There's Flo, the acapella singer who can climb anything. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it is. You're, you've got all these characters. You're, you're trying to make Haley Steinfeld like another main character, right. and you're trying to do all the stuff with all these other characters. It's like, okay, let's just. What if we breed, yeah. introduce some right. like some like minor characters to be like new people? Because that's the other weird thing to me is that like this is three years later, but then 
they haven't recruited anybody else except Flo, I guess, yeah, in the meantime. apparently. I don't know what and the... they were, uh, Well, I guess... Well, and that... Oh, no, never mind, never mind. I was going to say, and Chloe is still there. But Chloe has a line about how she's been consistently failing yes. her classes <laughs> yeah. so that she doesn't have to Which is it. also kind of like, okay, that's, that's a little much. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess the, the question then would be, what would they... Like, what's in between nationals and worlds? You know what I mean? Well, it's... I feel like you could do... Going to a boarding school and fighting for the varsity <laughs> spot, Britain. And I'm not... I, the world is... Maybe that's not necessary. I mean, you could have them... You could almost have them go and lose. Like, I don't know. Mm. You, you could do something kind of interesting. Um, oh, like Ongly. Or just have them, like... I don't know. Tour. Like, they... Sure, you know, sure. They, 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 that's they, what they do in the third movie. Yeah, sure. Exactly. Like you, Maybe you have it be less about the competition exactly. and more about the characters. Exactly. Oh. You, you have them be like, oh, we're, we're going to do exhibitions because we've sure, won... Sure, sure. You know, you, you start the movie with, okay, they won their second, you know... Collegiate, collegiate thing, yeah. title, and now they're they're going on a tour. And... You could have it be a far from home scenario. Yeah. Now we're going on this yeah, extravagant tour around the world. You go to different locations, yeah. which is what they kind of do at the end of the movie. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You could do something like, and I, I think that would be a better approach because then you could actually like take some time with these characters. And I think that is the ultimate that jumping, deciding like, yeah, this is just what we're doing. There's probably ways you can make it work better. Um, and I mean, any any premise for a story can be turned into a great story with the right, if, yeah. you, if you approach it the right way. But just like anything can work, you just got to make it work. Yeah, just going through, looking at the Hollywood process, mm-hmm. and knowing what you can pull off within the Hollywood process. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it would have made a lot more sense to just be like, all right, it's a year or two later, everyone's still in college. We're, we're focusing on our main cast. Maybe we introduce yeah. one more person. We're not going to make them like. It's either I think you either have to introduce one more person or make the new person like you have to just focus on Haley Steinfeld. Like I feel like you got to do one or the other where you you make her the main character and we're we're yeah. now looking from her perspective. So yeah, or I mean you flip it and you just have Flo be that new person. Yeah, and this weirdness yeah. of like how do I fit in in the shadow of Aubrey and mm-hmm. you know what and and then you bring in Steinfeld for the third one. Yeah. Um. So I think that's. What I that's just my my biggest immediate like ah oh, I don't I don't love this this yeah, this, yeah, yeah. this raises a lot of weird questions it, it puts them in a weird storytelling place not a huge fan my best thing is the fact that the Green Bay Packers yes. are one of the acapella groups in yes. the ripoff <laughs> yes. that is one of my favorite things ever in any yeah. movie they <laughs> like... I, I want to say this for them one. They're actually pretty good. Sure, sure. They don't. They don't do. I almost <laughs> wish they got more, but it is funny right. that like the joke is like Clay Matthews is like I got I got love, country love for days. I can do <laughs> yeah. this. And it's like guys, I got nothing. One I love. It does feel like one of those cases where they should have had like a blooper reel in sure. the credits, sure. and then like it just cuts to them doing like a full number. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. One I liked how they were also like pretty funny. Like yeah, yeah. What the thing I appreciated about it was. These guys weren't sleepwalking through the cameo. Like, no, they were no, 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 committed. No. Yes. They were really leaning in. I don't know exactly. So, I don't know. I, I'm going to believe that all the acapella singing is acapella singing. I don't know if it's. I know that everyone sings their own solos, mm. but I don't know if all the Bellas get together and record all the harmonies and stuff. Right. I don't know. So, when they. when I know Clay Matthews actually did his own solo right. singing, but like, if the guy going. I'm like. That's a really simple arrangement. Like they could have just taught them to do that, yeah. <laughs> or they could have be just. They would go it for it too. I'm I'm not like. We're obviously we're in Alaska, so our uh, of course yeah, our, our local football team is the um the the, the Prairie Ju- Dogs Juno Juno the Junos 
Yeah, it's a bunch of pregnant teens no, 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 running the ball. Juneau, Juneau, Alaska. That's it. Yeah, it is. It's the the Juneau home slices. <laughs> the Juneau burger phones. We're not we're not going with like penguins or. That's oh, a hockey team. <laughs> They're in Alaska. I'm I'm underneath the ocean. Um, yeah. I live very close to the Titanic. I'm doing research. Yeah, your name is Tafton. Yeah, your name is Alex Ryan. <laughs> uh, James Cameron dropped me off here long ago with a with the crocodile sub from Octopussy, and I just I've just been here. And every now and again, I'll say, "Hey, so what do you want to have for dinner?" And you're like, "A man chooses, a servant regrets." No, says the man in at Warner Brothers. It belongs to whatever. I'm doing a Bioshock <laughs> thing. I don't know enough about movie studios. <laughs> Guys, just to let you know, there's a, there's a giant like like graffiti on on the Titanic. I don't know who did it. It was probably James Cameron. Um but but like you have to go under underneath the ship mm-hmm. like right mm-hmm. it, it's very difficult to find it. It says the Taft was behind it all. <laughs> okay. And then there's a there's you, you just walk around with a big diving helmet calling yourself Big Daddy. <laughs> um, so this all started because I was trying to explain the, the, that I'm not the, actually the, a Green Bay Packers fan. The Green Bay, yeah, the Green Bay Packers, right. Um, but I, I do know that they, like, specifically, like, the Green Bay Packers defense, I believe, is known for, like, being pretty silly. Not Like, I think they do, like, Catan tournaments and, oh, and wow. stuff like that. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, so I'm I'm sure that they were very much like heck yes let's do this and I, and I like that they they really did it like they mm-hmm. really committed mm-hmm. to it and it's we, and that's what makes it funny yes if it had just been like oh we got the Green Bay Packers it'd be like oh I get it big guy is doing yeah. it. oh that's yeah. so funny but like because I think what, I think the exact line is like uh, no one knows more about Tinder loving than me <laughs> yes yes like, yeah. <laughs> and and the fact that like they are clearly having so much fun and really it, it's the the joke becomes the enthusiasm yeah. And that's very uh, enjoyable. So do we want to just talk about the riff-off? Because it's, it's sure. such a fever dream. Sure. So David Cross is yes. is incredible. David Cross is very funny. I do feel like this movie has a, a lot of their cameos are comedy people. They went, go do a funny thing. Mm-hmm. And they're funny. So they're like, okay, I guess I'm going to do this voice. That's mm-hmm. my character. Mm-hmm. He is that's, funny. Yeah, like fair. when he says – when Ben Platt is like, I saw an angel. He goes, well, you're going to hell. And then he hits <laughs> – I, I I really thought that was. It's, funny. No, it's very. Do you think you're a better lyricist than Sir Mix-a-Lot? <laughs> but he was not in Queen. You know and, the band and Queen. Him ha- and him having to to pick up the hammer yes. to hit the cymbal, yes. and he's just like, it's too heavy. It's very funny. So let me let me. I'm gonna run down the teams for our viewers at home. And this, so it's not even really a riff off. Dave, this is Do it like a sports announcer. This is so. All right. So in this corner, I don't watch sports, Alex. You can do boxing. That's cool. That's fine. Yeah. So down here. Hey, everybody! It's Regis. Regis is back, baby. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you all about the riff off and who's. So it's not even a riff off. I'm going to tell you the top five best teams from the riff off. Here we go. You got David Cross, and he's announcing the whole thing because he loves acapella. We never learn anything about the guy. We just go to his house. Not a good way to live life, I can tell you. That'll be in my other (laughs) podcast, Regis After Dark. Okay. It's called Tereja Predator, and it's me. And the, oh, oh no. Oh and no. the Predator thinks he's going to meet up with a young starlet, maybe like a 12-year-old, and he comes out, Stacy, is it you? And, it jumps in, and then, who's that in his dishwasher? Regis. And then I, and then I wrestle the Predator. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Sometimes it's an alligator. Sometimes it's an alligator. We use the term predator pretty loosely, but I jump on the predator. I hog tie him like in Red Dead Sometimes Redemption 2. Sometimes it is the predator. <laughs> Sometimes it really is. And he sees my heat signature and I am cooking. And then... <laughs> And bam, one less pedophile, thanks to Regis. You're welcome, parents. Anyway. I love it. It's just the moment when you realize that you couldn't stop doing that. Yeah, and then I come back to myself. But now we're back to Regis. So, David Cross is doing... uh, In this... eh, Pentagons have... uh, Whatever. It's it's five of them. You got the... You got the... uh, the Baden Bellas, so Anna Kendrick and Anna Camp and Haley Steinfeld and all your friends. Over I really he- thought you were going to say Anna Kendrick and Anna Kendrick and Anna Kendrick. <laughs> Anna Kendrick. Don't forget I Anna mean, Kendrick. that's essentially all I can see. And, and Anna Kendrick's teeth are in the movie, <laughs> um, and then which is a good thing. And then, <laughs> and then you jump over to the Treblemakers, so you got Skylar Aston and Ben Platt. No, nobody else we remember, including a guy in the first movie whose name is Unicycle. That's how he's credited. And then you've got uh, the Green Bay Packers, and they're doing their whole big fun scene we just talked about. Then we've got Das Sound Machine, who I guess we'll talk about later, featuring Flula Borg, which is crazy that Flula Borg's in the movie. He's hilariously funny. Watch him on Conan. And then you have the Tone Hangers, who are comprised of Joe Latrulio from the first one, John Hodgman from The Daily Show. He's basically the American Stephen Fry. He's an incredibly accomplished author and podcaster. He's hilariously funny. That is what set my fever dream off. Jason Jones from the first one in The Daily Show. And then Reggie Watts, who's the band leader on James Corden and also is uh, was from Comedy Bang Bang. This is crazy. And now Regis is going to go back because Britain has to say, this is when I melted. Not in like a... <laughs> In the way that I normally melt when Anna Kendrick's doing anything. But, no, but it's Showing just, teeth. She, I mean, look, she's got a beautiful smile. <laughs> but, no, but, but it's such Can a... we get that and read just, for, just real quick? Just for the... She's got a... Anna Kendrick, she has a beautiful smile. Or as a Regis? As, a, as Regis. Anna Kendrick, she's got a beautiful smile. All right, so we got that four times. <laughs> Anna Kendrick for Colgate. Regis for Anna Kendrick for Colgate. <laughs> but it's such a crazy scene because, like... There was a day in the world when the Green Bay Packers, Flula Borg, Anna Kendrick, John Hodgman, and David were all just in a room together Correct. doing a cappella at each other. It's crazy. Yes. Uh, I also found it – it's still funny. I don't find it as musically interesting sure. as the first riff off, but I still enjoy it. Um, and I do – I mentioned in the last – episode that i feel like the riff offs it's a, it's a it's diminishing returns as it goes along i do think that the riff offs from what i can glean about the third one and obviously i've seen the first two they fit the movies a little better they don't they do repeat themselves but in a way that like they try to kind of affix it to the new movie so credit where it's due because this one is just crazy it's a crazy scene yes like when they start with songs about butts mm-hmm. and then flula's doing the thong song but he starts it by miming getting into a tractor and then just, like, driving this yes. giant tractor. It makes no sense. It's very <laughs> funny. And then there's, like, a shot of Britney Snow saying four-wheel drive where she looks pretty sexy. And then <laughs> Bim Platt is doing I Like Big Butts and I Cannot Lie. And Alex is, is uh, singing along. Mm-hmm. And I know words. <laughs> and I don't know. It's just it's such a weird, weird scene. 
I don't know. I really, really enjoy it, but it's totally bizarre. Yes. I would have enjoyed it more if it just didn't end the exact same as the first one. The new girl to the Bella screws yeah. it up. Except despite that, well, sounding good. One except that the last one then grew that musically. Right. And then this one is just like it peters out. I also want to say about Haley Steinhold. I think Haley Steinhold is crazy talented. Mm-hmm. She's so good in True Grit. Like she steals the whole movie. And then she's yes. so funny. She's really funny in this. And she manages to play the overenthusiastic, awkward character, which is a thing we see in a lot of movies. And it's not annoying. No. It's like kind of cringy. Well, she's also able to do it. But it's one of those things where a lot of times when they have like a really pretty actress in that kind of role, you're like, I don't buy sure. the super pretty one as the awkward girl. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it's pretty people can be awkward. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> come on, guys. But, oh, but Regis. When we, hey, come on. <laughs> oh, you should have seen me in high school, Regis. I turned to Ben Franklin, my my classmate. <laughs> I was kind of hoping you were going to say, I had a single pimple. <laughs> it was under my shirt. <laughs> Just somewhere, and it kept moving around. It was the most awkward thing. But, um, <laughs> but, but well, Tyler and I have talked about this in Edge of 17, which is a movie we both really love. Yes. That and I liked what up. I saw of it. Yeah, she does such a great job of being believably awkward teenager. And she's really I, I love when she like gets in the bells and she starts doing this weird dance. Yeah. And and I think it's I think it's Stacy who's like, stop, stop it, stop it, stop that, stop that. <laughs> like she's really funny in this. I'm not crazy about her singing style. And this is purely subjective. But she does this style of singing that's very popular with a lot of uh modern songstresses. Where she's like kind of shrinking away from the notes. It's all like I got all I need when I got you and yeah. I. A flashlight. But you can tell she can sing. But she's like instead of holding the note, she's yeah. like huh? it's like an Aaron Neville kind of thing. I, I like Aaron Neville, but it's that kind of vocal styling. It's really strange. Um, it, it it didn't help that I did not care for her song at all. Me so neither. like when they, when well, they kept bringing it back, especially at the end, I. I no. could not get into it. So, so, and it is it is strictly because I just didn't like the song. No, I, I feel the same way. I just didn't it just musically it didn't do anything for me. Well, it's not a bad right. song. That's the thing is that I <clears throat> the it's weird to me that because basically that song is a perfectly solid yeah. pop song. Jesse J wrote it. I'm not sure she wrote it for the movie, but it's a Jesse J. But like it's just, yeah, it's just like that is just a song like you could hear that on the radio and you'd yeah, be yeah. like, cool. Mm-hmm. It's a song. It I'm three like, minutes closer to where I'm going. <laughs> it sounds like right. many other songs that I hear on the radio, yeah. and it is perfectly pleasant. Um, and I don't mind that they use that. Like, that's neat that at the end it's like, oh, they're doing an original song. What's right. that about? It really bothers me that, and we're kind of jumping ahead to the finale here, but we'll, we'll circle back around. I just want to point out that, like, it really bothers me that in the final um, what do you, what do you, set. Yeah. There we go. That's the word. Uh, they... They do like a lot of fun mixing. They they mix mm-hmm. in some of the old songs. They mix in some new songs. They do a lot of fun with that up to the point where they start using her original song. Yeah, and then it's just the original song, and it's 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 harmonic like they do. It's pretty. They, yeah, it, yeah. They, it's a cool arrangement, but it's just that song. Right. When I feel like it would have been very neat to to do that, and then especially like if you bring back considering it's supposed to be like, oh, they've, they've got all the Bellas back. They've got all the, yeah. these legacies back. It would be very cool if you brought back some of the songs they did, maybe, oh, you know, sure. to begin with. And I'm not musically like, talented you, enough to say Aubrey how... you got Aubrey in there. Does Aubrey do a bit of I Saw the Sign Exactly, yeah. exactly. They, they yeah. do... Or, 
Maybe you do some setup where they're watching old YouTube videos of previous performances oh, and yeah. pick up in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kind of in the background, we pick up on some of the songs that they did when they yeah. were in college. Considering yeah. how beautifully they worked in, like, Just the Way You Are and Part Maybe. of the USA into the finale exactly. of the first one, where you don't yeah. even really think about it, but you can totally hear it in the back. Mm. Right. I wonder, though, if that was to be like, okay, Becca had to learn, like, she has to do more than just medleys. Right. And then would having her do a medley at the end, would that, you know? Yeah, but I, I just think... I think from an emotional perspective, like getting you to to be invested and yeah. like hyped in that final moment, yeah. I think you can you can push that to the side a little bit to be like they're using an original song that's yeah. the basis, yeah. and then they're kind of working in the sure. the other songs around it. Do you guys feel so? Obviously, the bells have to win because of the movie. But do you guys feel? First of all, preface in the first movie, do you guys think? That the Bellas fairly won. I, I think the Bellas yeah. totally won that that competition. I know where you're going with this, and I had exactly the same thought. Awesome. Yeah, because I watching that so, first movie. I thought, like I said, and I said this in the last episode. Trouble makers are great. They're a real competition. Yeah. The Bellas totally win that competition. Mm-hmm. Do yep. we think that the Bellas beat Dust Out? I Machine would argue. I have two thoughts on this. Uh, first, ultimately, yes, I think. Okay. So. Because first of all, um, it feels very much like. Uh, at least up to the point where they do the original song, uh-huh. I think it's very, very good. Sure. And they, they do a lot of really fun stuff. Uh, and and the, they, they do a good job with the original song, even if it's yeah, yeah. not what I would like them yeah. to do. Um, secondly, I feel like, you know, I, 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 was, a, I was a band nerd uh-huh. as, a, as a kid, went to some marching band competitions and stuff. Yeah, just reading Funky Winker Bean all day long. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> 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 And you know you get these these bands that sometimes they do like this really flashy crazy thing where they mm-hmm. you know they'll they'll have some big it's almost like a like a, a silent play going on gotcha. on the field where they like they're playing music but then they've got like people running around and like uh-huh. they've got all this crazy stuff and they've got all these huge props and everything looks really cool interesting and things like that but they don't usually score very well because it's all flash yeah yeah it's yeah it's 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 entertainment it's not like right. technically incredibly sound yeah they got Roland Dembrick to direct that exactly yeah. that's what I'm saying that's what I'm saying Alex did you and hear my he joke compla- <laughs> and then he complained about Marvel movies being heartless and not having uh, <laughs> enough drama and character in them my head hurts um, <laughs> see, see I, but let me let me finish yeah, my yeah, point yeah, Roland like, Emmerich criticizing I, I haven't finished my point um, <clears throat> that's how I feel about Das Sound Machine is how I would feel if this was mm-hmm. like a real acapella competition I was sure, watching sure, sure. is that like it's pretty cool. It's very. Yeah. It sounds very neat, but it's. It doesn't feel like pure acapella, you know. Sure. It's like they're doing all the beatboxing. That their beatboxer is amazing. They're very, He's very, crazy very, talented. very good. Like it's, it's good. I can't take. I can't take beatboxer seriously. Every <laughs> time somebody started doing that, I was laughing. There's a deleted scene blooper, whatever, of when he and Reggie Watts are beatboxing at each other, mm-hmm. and it's the extended one of that. Oh my God. And it gets so weird because Reggie Watts is an insane person. He's very funny. <laughs> but at one point, just within his – because you know, he starts doing like ah, – yeah, yeah. like he's an animal. He at one point starts – It sounded like Daffy Duck or yes. – uh, Yeah, it's a little bit like I that. I guess Donald Duck noises? Yeah, Donald Duck, yeah. He starts doing Bill Cosby lines. And he's just like, <laughs> my wife Camille, Rudy. <laughs> Just within all of that. It's, Hold up, what? Yeah, no, exactly. While the other guy is doing this, I mean, and Roger Watts is a very good beatboxer, I'm not saying that. But that guy's doing these crazy sounds, like, how do you even do that? And he's just going, and he's doing like a robot move while he's doing, like, Rudy, my wife, Camille. It's so strange. It's so, so bizarre. 
So yeah, I, I so I, I think I would call Dust Sound Machine technically very impressive. Well, I'm saying it's the for me. I'm saying that the beatboxing is to me it's it's flashy. Okay, it's very, gotcha, that, gotcha. that's what I, that's my comparison is that the beatboxing sure. is very like oh that's neat and all, but that's like it's it's sort of and this is not a a, a, um, a, a, a dig against pentatonics. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> but as someone who occasionally, especially around Christmas time, we're, we're getting towards that time of year. I, I enjoy me some Christmas acapella. Sure. Um, and like if I'm lo- if I'm looking for songs to, to listen to and stuff. It really doesn't do it for me, you know. It's it's not really my thing. Where where I feel like it's very, yeah. it's not like oh, this is like really cool harmonies and stuff like that. It's like oh, this is it sounds cool, but yeah. you're doing a lot of sound effects and stuff. Like you're trying very hard to make it sound like you have instruments yeah. or like you have some yeah. sort of means of actually producing the music in a studio. Yeah. Whereas like it's you know the, it's more impressive want, than anything yeah, else. You, yeah. You want the the acapella to be like oh this is right. This is they are doing the thing. Yeah, no, I like they are using voices in place of yes. instruments as opposed to we're making our voices sound like instruments. exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah, I, I agree. I, I I enjoyed the Dasa machine numbers, mm-hmm. and I understand why they were competition. I just wasn't as blown away, blown away. I wasn't as moved by the Bella's final performance in this as I was the previous yeah. one because this one, I mean, I found it moving in the sense of like. Oh, all the Bellas are back. And I remember watching it and getting misty and crying and getting angry at my head. Like, <laughs> this isn't worth it. They're winning. And, they Ro- and Robin Roberts is one of the Bellas. That's crazy. That Robin Roberts, who's like a, a very uh, accomplished journalist, is one of the Bellas. She's just, she is. And I'm sure. like, I guess that's, it's weird that there's only one cameo, unless you count Katie Seagal. Uh, Leela from Futurama, she's awesome in this mm-hmm. movie. And got her start as a singer, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. Maybe Robin Roberts did too, I don't know. But it's it's so it, that was what I'm talking about. Like that's just like oh cool, this moment is moving, but I'm not moved by the stuff around it. Whereas the finale in the first one, I think it's musically just a lot of fun and great to listen to, and all these great levels to it. But also it, it's it's the it's the uh, uh, summation of something. Yeah. And this one just felt like here we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think what also helped was both both helping the first one and um, Da Sound Machine at the end. I actually knew the songs. Sure, sure. And I think that has a lot to do with it. I agree. Um, just a lot of the songs that were in this one I didn't know, and they're not really my type of music. And I feel like yeah. the first one had a bit more of a blend. Sure. Um, and, and some of that, and I then, think, uh, is just down to – yeah, because I, I was the same way. I didn't recognize a lot of the music either. I think it's because, like you said, it's just not what we listen to. Yeah. But uh, but even just like Da Sound Machine doing like a Fall Out Boy yeah. song. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah. Or I, even like All I, I Do Is Win, which is not something I've really listened to, but we all know it. No. Well, just just having like these these big hard rock anthems, just like I don't know, thematically they felt more powerful. Just like oh, Dos Sound Machine, they're like unstoppable. Are yeah. you hearing them right now? Like I felt like that carried a lot more weight. It's also very aggressive, and I guess the woman uh, from Dos Sound, she has an amazing voice. She sounds yeah. great. Like even on on Thong Song, like she sounded really good. <laughs> right, and all of oh, the they, uh... they also do a Muse song at the beginning. Yes, yes. yes. Oh, is that who that was? Okay, yes. then mm-hmm. I also do. Uh... All this random side note here with the the woman from Dust Sound Machine. All of the jokes between her and Anna Kendrick with Anna Those Kendrick are being like so good. Your <laughs> body is perfect. Your sweat smells like cinnamon. She's in my head, <laughs> which again is something else. Like if if and the jokes are good, but if Anna Kendrick wasn't as so funny as she is, I'd be like, okay, I get the joke. Sure. No, every time because she nails the and this is this is the thing about Anna Kendrick is that a lot of movies wanted to kind of play this the Anna Kendrick character. But because she is a naturally funny and also good actor, mm-hmm. she can she finds ways to like 
thread those jokes together and make them feel cohesive and unified. And like, I, I, I talked a lot about the, the, the way Shia LaBeouf was choreographing one of his scenes, the way he was like, when his lines in, in, in a crystal skull and how it was like talking and oh, moving okay. and everything. I, th- I, I got, I got lost there for a second. I thought you were going to say that, that they started doing like the actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf song at some point. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, did I miss that? Shia LaBeouf's uh, tear jerking arrangement of just do it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but I feel like Anna Kendrick choreographs her deliveries really well in this movie. I yeah, I, I, she's amazing. Mm-hmm. But I really, I, I really enjoyed all those jokes, and I want to talk about the the, the, the worlds real quick. Uh, again, announcers, great. So we start, we, we start at the uh, the worlds, and everyone's getting there, and Pentatonics is opening, and this is when Alex, I'm assuming you jumped up and started moving and grooving, because Pentatonics are singing. He didn't stop until the end. Oh man, I'm just, and he was like, Guy, get up, we gotta dance, because they're singing. No one did. <laughs> you and Prime are just sitting there like, no, no. You dance, Alex. And I was like, okay, any way I want it. Because they're singing any way you want it. I need more context. I don't remember this. <laughs> well, because you were just in a fugue state dancing so hard. You, yeah, uh, I, just, I just lost any sense of time or space. Yeah, you were like, um, oh, who is it? Who dances at the center of the universe to the sound of Blind Pipers? Uh, Taft? No, it's... <laughs> <laughs> I wish you'd waited because I was going to say he's Cthulhu's granddad. <laughs> Taft? <laughs> <laughs> no, his name is. Um, I don't I think it's uh, Marty. Marty. <laughs> hey, I'm Marty Cthulhu. Hey, it's me. <laughs> so listen, you want to learn about the Elder Gods? Here I am. Here I am. Here I am. <laughs> if you look upon me, you'll go mad. <laughs> but, <laughs> and then, I, every time I go to the center of the universe, I've got to have the Blind Pipers playing a Dean Martin song. <laughs> But anyway, um, so the, but the, 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 when the world starts, is a big montage of the pentatonic singing any way you want it, and it blends in with other acapella groups from other countries singing it in their own languages, which is very entertaining because you hear all the like. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, a, an Indian group, uh, a group from Africa, and I believe Korea, maybe I don't know. Probably. But these, or uh, oh, uh, it's a Spanish-speaking country, I think actually. But it's these different arrange, it's these different languages doing the song, which is which is a lot of fun, which also makes me think. Was that all the opening, or did they just all sing any way you want it? But then they come back to the Benetonics, and it's nighttime now. So I guess they performed for 12 hours. Yeah. Like, it's this weird kind of, I don't know, that's a lot. Um, <clears throat> do you guys like Pentatonics? I was, I was just saying, I'm, I'm not, yeah, they're I'm not really, you know, like, because uh, again, I like the, you know. Yeah. You'd I have, don't know enough. You'd have, to show me, you'd have to show me the scene again, because I honestly don't remember the scene in the movie. Sure. Um, but I'll, hey, I'll uh, hey, Jerry, no. roll it. <laughs> I, I like um, they it's did the music, a Johnny. they did a Daft Punk medley that I enjoy because uh, the the woman I can't remember her name but she covers um, uh, Digital Love which is one of my favorite Daft Punk songs and that sounds quite nice and then when they were on the uh, acapella reality competition that I can't remember what it's called she uh, they, they they did video killed the radio star and that sounded mm. pretty good. They're very right. talented. I mean, they are, you know, like, and, yeah, I know what you mean. Though it's like, no, they're very good at what they do. That's not always the version of acapella I want to listen to. I, I don't know enough acapella to like rattle off my my. Like, sure. Oh, these are the guys that you really. You're, you're more of the a, underground guys. You're you more of a flying Here picket. Are my top kind of five indie acapella groups. <laughs> well, I would go uh, the flying picket. The, the uh, Da Vinci's notebook. I think the only one I can name is Straight No Chaser, which I Straight am no Chaser, a big fan. Yeah. Number one, the Regis Filmans, inspired by. 
So uh, I, straight I, no, I was going to say, uh, straight no chaser does a Christmas medley of of some sort that ends with it's I forget what it's called, but it ends with um, it's like a Twelve Days of Christmas like oh, wow. parody type thing, mm-hmm. and it ends with them doing um, they they, they do a. a I guess like a cover of Africa where they <laughs> sing I saw Christmas Town in Africa. Oh, Africa. wow. And like That's it just, fun. it's it's very funny. The entire thing is great. Uh, I'll probably forget to put it in the description. <laughs> it's fine. Moving uh, on. Da Vinci's Notebook is an acapella group. They do a song called The Gates, which is the an Irish folk song called The Fox, but they change it to be about Bill Gates. <laughs> and how Bill Gates like ruined their life and they try, they're like, their computer didn't work, so they were like trying to go beat up Bill Gates. <laughs> it's pretty funny. No, I have uh, one of my favorite... Um, uh, uh, maybe one of my favorite movies. Certainly, my favorite Wong Kar Wai movie is called Fallen Angels. Yeah, we're going. Uh, yeah, we're hard left. We're talking there's, about. There's been a lot of names on we're, this podcast. We're talking about Chinese art house cinema now, being just kind of thrown at me here, and I'm yeah. not sure if I'm processing it. Well, Wong Kar Wai is a wonderful director, and he made a movie called Fallen Angels, and it's a really, really beautiful. It's the best movie about loneliness I've ever seen. But at the okay. end, in the credit song. They play an acapella version of this song called Only You, which is like an 80s, you know, one-hit wonder kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful version of that song, and is it's a beautiful way to end that movie. So that's the acapella thing that I like. <laughs> Alex, what's the acapella thing you like? Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> Fat Amy singing is funny, I guess. Actually, that's a good segue. What did you guys think of her and Bumper's storyline in this one? It was fun. Well, it's kind of it. funny. The We Belong number is a little long, yes. but you know. oh, I, I, I thought that was it. It was funny, just because. Yeah, yeah. Her her seeing it and him like breaking down. It's, Adam it's Devine good. is very funny. Yes, and I liked her realization of like, oh my, I'm in love with him. Like, what mm-hmm. do I do with mm-hmm. this? And then when she was like trying to cross the street and the car is coming in, like, oh, that was funny. Yeah, I I, I liked the the little brush with sincerity. I don't. He's not. I don't believe he's in the third one, so that's I don't know what they do with that. What'd you guys think of oh, the weird thing? That's. That's frustrating. I know because he's a really fun part of that show. Yeah, but that's well, I, no. I, I just found it annoying, and, and that was my concern watching the the first one. Yeah. I was like, oh, he just leaves, and he's not even in the mm. third act. So there's no payoff to beating him. Okay, at least he's in the second one, I guess. As like someone who's fallen, like a fallen right. star. Right. Did he campus security bumpers back? <laughs> All that stuff. I, I I really liked the scene where where she she. Is on the paddle boat and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, I I, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. I, I thought a lot of their relationship stuff was once again with all the drama in the movie just felt kind of superficial. I wish they had gotten a bit more screen time. Sure. Um, and that's also such like, like if, a if you're gonna just keep them as a joke, like every time they get together, they're like, oh, we're not gonna hook up, and then they yeah, hook yeah, up, yeah. just leave it at that. But they try to actually have an arc to them, and mm-hmm. I feel like it's not enough. No, but, but I, very, I appreciate the very intent. bare bones, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I almost like that they go uh becca and jesse they had their drama he's a supportive boyfriend no I, I i am very happy about that despite my reservations about how much this movie just kind of repeats beats from the first one yeah. it didn't do that it didn't give them a needless romantic subplot yeah. of like oh they fall apart because they're having romance issues yeah, and then yeah, they yeah. get back together during the finale they didn't do that yeah, they gave like, they gave becca a completely different conflict yeah, he's a supportive really boyfriend everything's fine also um Benji also, and, uh, our main character just has a stable relationship. Yeah. What a novel idea. Yes. Uh, Benji and Emily, yeah. <laughs> yeah, ben- Benji and Emily. They have a, a good, just like sincere, cutesy... Yeah, that's a cute Which again, super kind, of, kind of annoying because like... It's been three years, so it's like he's like a junior or senior, which is not like a no. massive age gap or anything. But it's just kind of weird that he's immediately like, Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> right. I am now attracted to you. 
and yeah, it's like, let's try and thought about that. Oh well, if it, again, if you didn't do a time jump, you could just be like, oh, she's mm-hmm. just a new girl, and like he's yeah, he's yeah, yeah. still not you know trying to figure out who he is, and like yeah, I don't know. And I guess since they play, since it's such a chaste romance, it never really reads as creepy. Right. Right. Um, he sometimes the, the awkwardness of Benji is pushed so far. Sometimes it never True. gets predatory, but it's like okay, this is eh, yep. you're good. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I I like that this is not a... Because I, I think the Jesse love story works in the first one. I like they didn't try to force... The only, like, love story they really push in this is Bumper mm-hmm. and uh, Fat Amy, which is mostly done for laughs, mm-hmm. and I think it, I think those laughs pay off. <clears throat> like, I like when they're having dinner, and he's like, so, the news, and <laughs> the economy. And it's, like, all, like, sour candy and everything. <laughs> oh, man. That's my heaven right there. Alex, what's your favorite kind of candy? That's a good question. Um, Rocks. probably just being the unoriginal <laughs> hack that I am, I'll probably just go with like Hershey bars. Look, a, look at the a good Hershey bar is like so hard to beat, though. Sure. On it, what's your favorite candy, Tyler? I also love milk duds. Sure. So. Okay, and you because you hate your teeth. Uh, apparently, speaking yeah. of hating my man, I, not, man, maybe, I can't wait to make everyone around me hear me eat these. Maybe not. Maybe not. Teeth. Come like, on. No, I like Britain, Whenever duds. I have them, I'm too embarrassed. I have those alone. <laughs> those are your shame, milk duds. <laughs> those are the ones I have at the bottom of the ocean when I'm just <laughs> rowing around the Titanic. No, this is my shame candy. It does help that you're always <laughs> alone at the bottom of the ocean. So, yeah. like, you know, you, you never have to worry about eating. There's a hole. There's a, there's a hole in the bottom of the sea with Alex. <laughs> Sorry, Tyler. I was going to say, not, not, a, not hating and hating my teeth necessarily but maybe just my entire mouth um i think it's got to be sour patch kids oh man yeah i have i am a sour gummy fiend a lot of people like to brag about how much spicy stuff they can handle give me that lemon warhead baby let's go all right stand (laughs) back pour the sour the sour dust directly i want you to just start eating those and michael keaton just runs in come on you want to get nuts Let's get nuts. <laughs> I go. Those would uh, those wouldn't really combine with the flavor profile, <laughs> Michael. He's like, sorry. <laughs> no, I um. My mother does a wonderful thing every Christmas where she gets me just a large container of just assorted sour gummy mm-hmm. candy. Mm-hmm. You got some worms in there, some Sour Patch Kids, some like jelly beans. It's just it's so good. And I remember the first time she did this, I was like, it's like sixth grade, and I was be reading Kyle and Hobbs, eating sour candy. Nothing tasted right for a week. It was <laughs> when I could handle that, like when I was a young boy and I could sure. handle all that. Sure. Now it's just like, whoo boy, I need to like, I, I, I will, I will. See. This is an all week snack now. <laughs> oh man, but I do love a good sour gummy. That's fair. What else is in this movie, guys? This advertisement brought to you by Twizzlers, <laughs> which is weird. <laughs> it's like that thing in Miracle on 34th Street where they're like, we're going to tell you about the other stores so that you exactly, like our sportsmanship. Exactly. That's... <laughs> oh, that's a great movie. Twizzlers, the a sportsman-like cup... candy. <laughs> I do have a couple Not of Not like those petty things. red vines. Oh, like, uh, like yeah, I was going to say like red vines, yeah. weird things. Uh, Go on, Alex. I'm okay with hey, red vines. Hey, hit me Walk with Mars your bars? best shot. Um, Just being... Uh, do, junior Mints? The... Junior Mints weird? Yeah, a little bit. If you're at a movie theater. Um, so, a couple of minor continuity things. Junior um, Mint? That was the last pre- Predator I captured. <laughs> His name was Junior Mint. He was also a Batman villain. I had to cross over. Guys, I think we got to just scrap this podcast. I think, I think we just need to throw it out. Look, a, look a Batman 
villain. There's a predator named Junior Mint that Regis Philbin dispatches. I'm just saying, Detective Comets. Detective Comics, my asking fee is $7,000. <laughs> I will give you the rights. Just call me. Alex, your your list of misgivings. It's not really a list of misgivings. Your weird really things. things. <laughs> it, sure. Um, so, so just trying to think about continuity stuff. It felt... The movie seemed to just drop a couple of things wholesale from the first movie, which I thought was kind of strange. Uh, like, like Becca's uh, aesthetic? Yes, yeah. but also just her dad in general. Yeah. Right, right. Which is strange because th- it's a plot point that he works at the college. Sure. Oh, yeah, and if they're having trouble with the dean, like, why would he not be in the, yeah. Yeah. Although, he did say woo Bellas in the first one, so he's clearly come around. I guess. I think that's, a, that's a, a franchise wrap on old John Benjamin Well, it, it just seemed like a thing where, like, the end of the first movie, she seems to be cool about, like, her dad, especially, like, the, the little bit about, like, oh, she's clearly not happy with, like, her stepmom and that relationship. Mm, sure. And she seems to be kind of starting to fix that and starting to accept new people into her life at the end of the first one. Mm-hmm. So it seemed like it would be kind of an obvious thing when she's having troubles that she would go seek advice from them. Yeah. Just to have like one token scene where the at least the dad comes back. Sure, there's not even a mention. It, it just seems. Have weird. we discussed Moody's point on this podcast? <laughs> I'm sure we have. Have I incorporated Moody's point into the, not in, enough into the lore of Here Come the Seagull? Moody's point, a joke I did not get as a child, but now I yes. love. Uh, Moody, Moody's point is the uh, parody sketch thing on the Amanda Show. Yes. Parody um, of Dawson's Creek. Yes, and all uh, and all its cistern. Yes, uh, c- cistern like brethren. I get okay. I get, but sister. I was thinking cistern like a well. Anyway, oh, <laughs> um, but the 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 long running gag on that is that uh, the um, her her mom is stuck in a hot air balloon. Oh is, yes, and is just like constantly like they they're trying to like communicate. I think at one point she gets the toe that bounces around from from scene to scene through like a balloon or something. Oh, that's um, hilarious! And and this is this is what I like to imagine Bella's dad is doing. Is that he's just <laughs> he's just, just stuck in a hot air balloon somewhere. in the world. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That that's a weird one. I'm not sure. I, I genuinely don't know if we get any maybe follow up in the third one, but I guess we'll find out. What's the next bit? Uh, the only other note I had was that it was weird that when they go to the retreat and Aubrey is chastising them and she's like, what's happened to my beloved Bellas? You've ruined the reputation and we've got to fix it. I'm, I'm really shocked that not necessarily her, but like nobody points out that the, like she did the exact same thing when right. she was in school. Sure. Like, I feel like that's easily a joke that, that yeah. fat Amy could have made. Yeah, I agree. It's like, I you're the one that caused all this mess in the first place. That's true. <laughs> you know, something like that. It is a weird... That whole army retreat scene is weird, and it just reminded me of the better version of that in Spice World. <laughs> Look, Go on. But, uh... And they're doing all the... And I, at first I was like, all the songs in the background do not make any sense. They start with the Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy of Company B, which makes sense. But then they're doing, like, Mbop and all these weird stuff. I didn't get it. But then Becca says something about it. Right. Which was good. Yeah, this is a, that that whole sequence is just kind of odd. I also felt that the uh, the campfire sing along was really cheesy, and the first one was cheesy, mm-hmm. but I bought it better. And this one, I'm like, I I buy this, and it's the when I'm gone, when I'm gone, because we're all going to be moving. We're talking about what we're going to get up to. Right. I get it, but it just felt a little saccharine to me. 
Um, I did also find it funny that I, it's either Ashley or Jessica is about to talk and then Fat Amy stands up. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I did appreciate that they, they just have that circle and that, mm-hmm. that sequence where they're just like pouring out like all of their issues that they're dealing with. Yeah, which is, which is a callback to the first one, but in a way that I felt worked, you know, okay. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the accidental sing-along in the bus in the first one I liked because it's just like that's what happens when friends are on a road trip, you know? Well, right. and again, the when I'm gone thing would make would work a lot better if it was like, oh, there was another movie in between these. We didn't address that song at all in the sure, second sure, one. Sure. Now everyone remembers yeah. the first movie, and it's like, oh, that's you know. Also, just like we're, di- we're, we're it's a it's a circle. We're thinking back to where we began. Sure. Well, also like diegetically sure. in the first one, uh, Chloe is just listening to party in the usa and starts like absentmindedly singing along and then all the other girls are like oh yeah and they all start singing along with her and then this one i'll just sit there like yeah we're kind of sad and then chloe's like i'm gonna start singing now right gals so here's the thing about chloe who's chloe like who would, what's her what's her character that she's obsessed uh, with being a she, is it? she she refuses to leave school yeah. also they get they did away with her low note thing yes she would also, again, be a That's character. That, they that do that in Rocky. It, it, there, it's so so many weird Ro- parallels. Rockapella, please. Correct. Uh, no, but but just like Rocky, the fifth one, he has like this horrible brain damage, and then um. like he. Like that, he comes back like uh, fifteen years later as an old man, and that's not a problem. Yeah. Time, or even like time in, in the second wounds. one, that's they they make not factual. In the second one, they make a big point about how, like, he can't see perfectly out of one eye. Oh. And then after that, it's just dropped. Sure. <laughs> like, it's never yeah. addressed again. Yeah. And granted, the the Chloe low note thing in the first one was always like, ah, okay, movie. But also, it would make a lot more sense if, if with Chloe, she was just written out of the movie. <laughs> like, if it was just like, and you just gave her a cameo, and she was just like, ah, Honestly, yeah. she's graduated. Now Let's move said, on. Her and Aubrey show up at the end with with the group of, yeah. of other Bellas. Yeah. Now that yeah. said, Brittany Snow does a good job. This is not yes. a knock on Brittany Snow. She she makes it okay for Chloe to be in these movies because she's so mm. she's very funny and she's got a great voice. Like she's very engaging. But at the same time, it's like I don't the other characters, even if they're caricatures, I still get it. Like they're yeah. there to be jokes. Yeah. Or they're there to have what arts. they're trying to do with her is that they need some sort of figurehead that represents the the force that's trying to keep the Bellas yeah. together yeah. and and trying to obtain, like, fix their reputation because Aubrey would have played that role, but obviously she's not. Uh, yeah, and the, and that in this the one, plot they kind of written her out. And then in this one, if Becca is going to be splitting her focus, she's right. not going to she and she probably wouldn't be the sole leader anyway. So if she's splitting right. her focus, then Chloe like, would need to take. A we can't role. give it to Fat Amy. Like yeah, that's not yeah, her yeah. character. That's like, true. I think it's a case where Chloe's the only one left who can represent that yeah. side in the conflict. That's okay. That's a good point. That's but a real. But also, what if you did something really interesting? Um, yes, with... Tyler. What if you what did something if... really? <laughs> interesting? You just made a good movie, guys. <laughs> no, but if you did something really interesting with Haley Steinfeld's character, where it's like, oh, they've all been disbanded because of the the performance in the beginning, and so it's like, oh well, we're all moving on to separate things. Let's let's just go do our lives, you know. It's like I yeah. guess that's you know, like in there, and there is no one trying to hold them together. Sure. <clears throat> but then Haley Steinfeld shows up, and she's like, "Oh wait, <clears throat> actually, I want to I want to be part of you guys. Let's yeah. what if, what if we tried to do it for and and then she kind of like is inspiring yeah, everyone to, leader, to continue yeah. to be a team. She's a new hope, if you will. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Friends never say goodbye. I don't remember that. Ooh, let's review the Rodel Dorado. Okay, it's great. (laughs) A plus, done. (laughs) 
Cut and print. Spoiler alert, it's awesome. Quick, how many movies can we knock out of one podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Just rattle them off. <laughs> the imitation well, game. Okay. I fell I, asleep. I, I'll, 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 take, I'll take the load off of y'all's shoulders. I can go ahead and get the, the rest of the Bond movies out of the way right here, right All now. Right. Thank you. Let's do it. Oh, All right. Feels so good. <laughs> Tell me. I would do that. But based on those reactions, I'm not giving you the satisfaction. I mean, oh no. Oh, Don't man, take it away from I can't from wait us. to see all my friends. Like, uh, Probably James Bond. Yeah, I go. And, I don't know. Oh, and all his fun <laughs> predatory gadgets. Ah, uh, James Bond, the white whale. <laughs> I need Regis to be the Bond villain and Christopher Nolan's James Bond. <laughs> James, I am how the author of all your pain. No, I'm just kidding. James, he's a, he's a great guy. It's, I wish him all the best. But we are going to tie you to something and damage your genitals. Now look. <laughs> it's, it's a Christopher Nolan movie. And it's it's all like, it's it's Fassbender as, as Bond. And sure. like, you know, every everyone in the movie is like just these these amazing legitimate actors. And like, it's directed incredibly and the action is wonderful. And it's yeah. all just like Nolan at his absolute top. And then... Regis is just like doing, doing that exact like just like hey I'm Regis what hey are how are you what's going on <laughs> Jaws where's Jaws hey look at this guy hey seeing yeah you're him... prettier when you smile I'm just kidding that you can't say that seeing him sitting at the end of like a long table just stroking a white cat just <laughs> I'm okay with this I'm okay with this jeez I don't own a cat I don't know what this is <laughs> well, and then hey, he just whoa. throws it away <laughs> Um, oh, before we, we wrap up, I do have to, because I'm always complaining about the way musical numbers are filmed in movies. I think this movie does right. a fine job. Mm-hmm. I think the first one filmed it better. Sure. This one isn't, the editing is more frenetic. It's not so frenetic that I can't follow the numbers. Right. The one time it, it really starts to do this is in the number at the old person's thing. But that's supposed to be chaos. So I'm like, okay, I get that. This number is not, we're not, we're just supposed yep. to be, this is complete insanity. But otherwise, I think the numbers are, are filmed fairly well. Uh, not masterfully, but fine, you know. Not, I'm not angry yet. The third one, oh. I may not feel great. <laughs> withholding judgment, I see. I, uh, yeah, withholding judgment. Uh, <laughs> so we're at a, we're almost an hour and a half. You guys wrap it up. Anything else, Big Dimension? I don't know if I have anything else. I don't have anything. Oh, one of the Green Bay, Green Bay Packers said, you're such an Aka disappointment. <laughs> or dis-a-Aka appointment. <laughs> that was very funny. Oh, man. You're such a dis-a-Aka appointment. Oh, it's so good. All right. Is it, is it that time, gentlemen? I yeah, it's time, time for a big musical number. Yes. And to start it off, <laughs> a lone flute. It's <laughs> the opening to Pippin. I'm sure it is. It sure is. Alex, it's your letter grade for the Pitch Perfect 2 movie that we watch for our podcast. <laughs> Where we talk about film franchises. Yeah. Um, One movie at a time. <laughs> and sometimes you're others... Trying to, you're trying to, you said you're better than me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have fun here. <laughs> sometimes. I'm going to go with, I think, just a flat C. Because um, I didn't think the movie was horrible, I sure. thought it was perfectly watchable. I, yeah. I think it's really just I, I'm, I, I found it very, very superficial and forgettable, yeah. and that that was mildly frustrating to me. But it, like you said, Britain at the beginning, it feels like kind of like the quintessential example of a Hollywoodized sequel. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
for, for better and for worse. Going yeah. into the third one with very low expectations. Which I wonder. I, yeah, I'm the exact same way, and I wonder if that'll make me like the third one more because I wonder how big the gap is yeah. between three yeah. and two. Because the gap, it's not like horrible, but eh, you know, yeah. it's a noticeable gulf. So I wonder. I wonder. Yeah, we'll see. Because I haven't seen the third one yet. Right. I'm. I haven't either. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. Some of the character work was was good. Like it was mostly just a mixed bag for me yeah. and. It, I I I did not find it as funny as the first one. Um, there were certain parts that were absolutely hysterical, yes. but it it wasn't a situation like with the first one where yes, we've got a superficial plot, but most of the performances and most of the comedy is carrying it and and raising it up a bar. Um, this one, it felt like everything was just kind of substandard. Yeah, and and the, but it was fine. and and what the running gags that they had, they didn't run them into the ground. Uh, Becca mm. freaking out over the. The sound machine woman was done three times. Uh, right. uh, Keegan Michael Key not knowing someone's name was done twice. Like they they didn't overdo their 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 welcome. They overdid their jokes as we discussed in terms of problematicness, but just in terms of like a good joke that worked, they didn't overdo it. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take that C and I'm gonna bump it down to a C minus. Oh my! Well, it appears we are in an impasse because I'm going C plus. Ooh. The reason I'm doing minus is just because I think if I didn't have the fondness for the first one that I did, this would be a flat C movie for me. I'd be like, sure. yeah, sure, C. As it's got yeah. plenty of stuff in it that Which genuinely... is not what we don't take it in context of just... Or we don't take it just independent of itself. Right, like this is a franchise. It's about context. Yeah, and this is a movie that I... what this podcast is built on. And it's not like a James Bond where it's like, well, it's just a whole new adventure. Like, this is what right. it is. Right. But this movie, I feel... Separate from the first one, it's totally workable. It's got plenty of stuff in it that does entertain me. But when I watch it right after I and, and the both times I've watched it, I've watched it right after the uh, the first movie. Mm-hmm. So right. it's that first movie is very thick in my mind when I see it, and I'm like, it's just so hard to separate the two. Yeah. So what 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 are you what, what's making you bump it up? I think it's I, I still enjoy it. I think it's funny. I think yeah. there's a lot of good. Um, just moments sure good funny jokes that i could point to is like oh that is that is genuinely a really funny creative thing you did there yeah um this is a popcorn I think all the, comedy yeah, yeah i think all the performances are, are great um that's, that's pretty much it i yeah. i think i i definitely think everything we've said about concerns as far as character and story or it, yeah it's yeah. valid um and i'm not like particularly disappointed no <laughs> it, just in terms of like I, I don't know what else i would have expected from sure you know like this just kind of throwing out, getting thrown out there, especially since I think it's a better job than many uh, action movie follow-ups to good yes. action movies. <laughs> so yeah, and, and I don't want to overhype the first one, but I think the first one is it is a more of, is more of a journey and it mm-hmm. is more of an experience. And this one is a Hollywood multiplex popcorn comedy flick. Yep. You know, bring the date, have some fun, whatever, dude. It's um, probably better than. I don't know, whatever comedy movie's playing in theaters right now. Yeah. I don't know. I'd be okay with watching it again. No, same. It would, yeah. it would be one of those situations where I'd go, well, why am I not just watching the first yeah, sure. one? Or, like, why don't I... Because the things I'd want to watch are pieces that I could find on YouTube. Yeah. I can watch the Wonderfalls on YouTube. Why don't I find the clips from yeah. the first one? Whereas, yeah. Whereas the first one, I'll just watch the movie. Oh, the second yeah. one, I'm best, like, I'll find the best pieces I want to Rebel Wilson compilation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's perfect, too. Yeah. Uh, so... All right, stand back, guys. Recommendation coming in hot. 
Uh, but actually, before I do, I, so, and I, re, I just remembered, I, I mentioned in the last the episode. The entire uh, series of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, there, so I mentioned last episode that, I, that this was a, ended up being a seminal movie for my life and that I would explain why. So here's what I will do. Here's why I will do that. So the beginning of this summer, or yeah, early in the summer, I I was just having a bad weekend. And I won't get into specifics. Bad weekend. I was just having some some really bad like relationships with my my job itself and I was just having it was just a bad I was in a bad way. Dark Phoenix is in theaters. Dark Phoenix is in theaters, what are they gonna do? And it it will bring ruin upon us all. And it is being a weekend where I just watched like comfort movies and, mm-hmm. and I just went down this like Anna Kendrick rabbit hole and I watched Pitch Perfect One, as I mentioned, and loved it. And, and loved it again if they've already seen it. And then I watched Pitch Perfect 2. And I was like, yeah, you know, sure, everything I've already said. But there's a scene in the movie where Anna Kendrick is – it's like part of a montage. It's not even really a full scene. But she's like working so hard and is working so diligently at getting this like mix mm-hmm, for the, the thing she's going to give to – I know exactly what you're talking about. It's yeah, a to good Keegan-Michael Key. montage yeah. in terms of like – it. it Starts off with her being just completely like, I, I can't make, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, she's starting to actually, like, work on it and figure it out a little bit. Right, like, oh, right, right. I'm actually, okay. It's this I, little I'm glimpse just... into her process. Yeah, yeah. And I remember watching that scene and having the thought, I am never going, and, and this was coupled with just a lot of thoughts I was having that weekend in general, and going, I'm never, the job I have right now, I am not going to stay up all night working this hard on. I don't have... Right that kind of dedication. I like my job and this is not speaking ill of the job I, or the position I had at the time. But I was like, I'm, I don't have that kind of dedication which set me off into this whole thing about like, it, it ended up being really helpful into helping me frame like what I want to do with my life and like, right. no, I need to like actually pursue like my real dreams because that's where I'm going to put my energy and, I'm, and, and that's just what I need to be doing. And so this movie ended up being really helpful in that way. It's not, you know, it, it's not like I feel like this whole entire film does that, but that moment just happened to time really well for me. So for that reason, like, I can't ever hate the movie because it ended up being a very cathartic thing for me. Uh, but my recommendation this week is a movie that Bone I, Tomahawk. Bone Tomahawk. And there's a movie that I, I actually rewatched yesterday after finishing uh, Perfect 2. And that movie is called Up in the Air. Uh, from 2009, directed by Jason Reitman. Alex, are you nodding that you've seen it? Yes, yeah. and I loved it. Cool, it's a really fun movie. I, I loved it when I first saw it. I haven't seen it in maybe like eight years or something. I don't know if I would necessarily call it fun, but I, I, I loved are. it. Parts of it are. Like <laughs> when George Clooney is dancing and singing along to Bust a Move by Young MC. Uh, it's pretty fun. But it's a movie that... So basically it's a movie about... Uh, George Clooney plays a man whose job... He, he works for a company where he goes around the country firing people when the company doesn't want to do it themselves. He's the one who comes in and has the conversation and gives them the severance package, etc. He's the one who knocks. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's placed during the economic recession of that, of that time. And it was very timely and everything. And it's like a pseudo... It's like a dramedy. And he's someone who... He's a jet-setting... Life in the sky, you know, he doesn't, he has all these monologues, all these narrations about, like, people weigh you down, stuff weighs you down, travel light, live easy, that's what the world is. And until uh, this young upstart, played by Anna Kendrick, joins the company and has a new way to revolutionize their process and might end up grounding our jet-setting flyboy. And so she ends up joining him on the road and... Uh, it's 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 a movie that I think does a really nice job of 
examining its main character and examining his change without doing this like epiphany scene he he gradually changes over time and doesn't even completely change by the end but he it actually feels like growth in a movie and and Anna Kendrick this is the movie that put her on a lot of people's uh radars she got an Oscar nomination for it she's absolutely wonderful in it and this is one of the movies where if you want to see her just play a character and she does some of the Anna Kendrick stuff, but like just see her like get to act and not just be called upon to be Anna Kendrick. She's really, really, really good in it. And if you ever wanted to see, wanted to see her sing sad karaoke, this is the movie for you. And uh, it's Vera Farmiga is really good in it. You've got great uh, J.K. Simmons is in one scene and steals it because of course he does. Zach Galifianakis and Danny McBride, Melanie Linsky, Amy Morton is really good. Uh, Jason Bateman's very good. Is it a movie that just it goes down pretty smooth, but it is still very moving. It's not brutal, it's just effective, and I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, the opening has a great cover of This Land is Your Land by Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, and she is uh, was, uh, sadly, a, a really great singer. And it's, it's also a movie that I realize I don't see George Clooney in a lot of things very consistently. He's so good. Mm-hmm. Like, he can be so funny and so obviously charming. I think he's, he's very Brad Pitt, um, in yeah. the sense that, like, and I think... Brad Pitt has done enough recently where he's just been doing so many, like, yeah. great... I mean, I mean, his entire career, he's he's done great role. But, like, it's very easy to look at him and be like, ah, it's, but he's just the celebrity. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. sort of because he's in so many things and he's so good in all of them that, like, yeah. he sort of just becomes a constant where it's just like, ah, that's... You don't you don't think about the fact that, like, no, he's, he's a really good performer. Yeah, and then when you see him in something that's really good, it is like, oh, right, of course. There's a reason that he... Yes. he there's a reason that... And obviously, they're both still handsome guys, but there's a reason they don't need their looks all the time. Yes. They, they can pull off these prestige movies. And, and I think Clooney is just fantastic in this because you get, you get all the, the Clooney charm and comedy coupled with some really nice strokes of character work and drama. And uh, yeah, I just find found it a really fun uh, rewatch and totally worth your time. Up in the air. I agree. Yeah, pretty good. So next week, Pitch Perfect three. I have concerns. Yeah, me too. It's probably fun. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel fun. like Pitch Perfect two probably prepares us for it better. Yeah, yeah. in the sense of like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing. Well, so Elizabeth Banks did not direct the third she one. Didn't, right? She's in it, but she didn't direct it. That's weird. Yeah, I, 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 it might have been a time thing. Mm-hmm. She might have. Been, I have. To, I don't know. I have to she she was too busy filming Power Rangers. <laughs> Maybe. Um, yeah, it's directed by I believe Trish C. I believe directed. Is she the one directing the new Charlie's Angels? Am yes. I making that up? Okay. Yeah, uh, Elizabeth Banks says yeah. Yeah, she's directing it. She's playing Bosley. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. With Alex Naomi Scott. Alex Naomi Scott? Yeah, Alex Naomi Scott, the great star. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing I've seen her in is Power Rangers. (laughs) I didn't realize that she's in Power Rangers. I haven't seen it. Yes. She's very pretty. That's all I really know. I haven't seen her in anything. (laughs) Well, just just a little side note on on Power Rangers. All of the the kid actors are are really great in it. Um, I think they're the highlights of the movie, and I wish the movie was even more focused on them yeah. than it already is. That, that's a weird you, you want where... You want the mumblecore Power Rangers. Correct. Well, the teen drama actually works so effectively in that movie, yeah. like to a surprising degree, that when it cuts to the Power Rangers stuff, it's just kind of <laughs> like, no, d- ditch the... Cut the fat. Today at the, at the seminar, uh, 
one of our speakers was like, all right, we're going to do something, and then I'm going to introduce you to a very special group of people. And I, in my head, I went, those people are the Power Rangers. Every day. <laughs> They're taking time out of their busy say, gym schedule to fight the putties. Boots we're, on we're the ground. We're introducing you to five teenagers with attitude. You're like, they don't have attitude. They're a bunch of squares. <laughs> I don't know about this. Prove it. Can they do backflips? <laughs> and can they punch me and then sparks come out? Do they go to the juice bar after school to do various sports that they do? <laughs> Within the juice bar? Is there a guy with a Hawaiian shirt who, does, who, who shrugs a lot and shakes his head? Oh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> okay i need to become an actor for many reasons not the least of which is i need to make a movie where alex is a hawaiian shirt clad bartender who's just always like these but, kids you know, with their problems but, but it can't be an actual bar where i serve alcohol no, it has bar, to yeah. be a juice yes. bar a la power Rangers. Like, even if it's even if it's like an r-rated like pretty drama <laughs> yes you're like drying no a, even more you're drying so. a glass you're like is it puberty again let me guess. Un- unfamiliar feelings. Is it? Is it the armpit hair? Is it starting to grow? Well, guess what? We all have it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you're 45. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Right. Some more you want Hawaiian a mango punch? limeade? <laughs> you want? You want a berry blast? <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of soapy. That's kind of the situation. Don't tell nobody. I've got an icy machine coming in. <laughs> we might serve us Snapple Icies. You gotta pay extra for that, though. further from God's life. What do y'all think about... Uh, just throwing this out there. King of Michael Key as uh, Professor Xavier. No, it's just, just, just thinking about this. It's one of those situations where, unfortunately, very, I, I don't mind. I feel it. like I, I, I would think it was too weird and distracting because I don't know. Because I don't of, know, man, of, he's, of he's being, a trained dramatic actor, and in this in this movie yeah. specifically, I know, I know. but but it's, <clears throat> it's because of the stuff that I've seen him in, sure. and that's yeah. more on me than it would be on him. Have we talked about how not, he, not, he was Horatio to Oscar Isaac's Hamlet? I think you have mentioned this, which is like crazy. Yes. I mean, to be fair, it's one of those things where, well, I'm, I'm not going to... I wouldn't fully judge it until I actually... No, of course. It. Yeah, yeah. And but I, I know what you mean. You would go in like... It may just be just be because he's bald. <laughs> that might just be why I make or, this question. But... What if he was Professor X's anger translator? <laughs> that being said, I also want to see Jordan Peele as Magneto, because that would be funny. I, that's what I'm saying. It's it's Patrick Stewart as Xavier. And then... <laughs> and Michael Keyes just walking around behind him. Magneto, <laughs> or, Char- or uh, Eric, or whatever. No, <laughs> this is our you know. <laughs> guys. This is my horrible villain. His name is Eric. I it's, love my metal villain. <laughs> it's it's X Men Three where uh, Patrick Stewart's chastising Wolverine after he lets Jean go. He's like, "You have no idea what you've done." Yeah, Van Helsing, you got no idea what you've done. <laughs> you ruined the movie. <laughs> I don't hate it. I don't hate it. <sighs> But we've, I, had, we've had fun here tonight. Yeah, but friends. I do hate to leave all you listeners. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, we'll be back next week. Probably. Yeah. Who wants to do the final part of the sign-off? I can do it. Well, Tyler's got to do our... Uh, no, I know. Contact info. What? You got to... You, <laughs> you can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HCTSequels. 
You can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com or also on iTunes. Just give us a, give us a search there on the, the podcast app. Yeah. And probably other places. Mm-hmm. Castbox has got us. Just wherever you find podcasts. We're not on Spotify because we're not elitist jerks who, you know, just... I don't know how to get us on Spotify. I'm sorry. Take that. Put us on. Iron and wine? I don't know. <laughs> it's a very specific joke for a very who's, specific Who's ever on Spotify, I guess. <laughs> All right. I'll do the last line of the sign. Thanks. Sounds good. Cool. Thank you. Well, yeah. well, we'll see you guys next week. Yeah. I've been Tyler. I've been Alex. And over here by the punch bowl, <laughs> chomping on some eggs, I've been Britain. And you are having a great night. <laughs>